today in the Diorg hot seat, we're going to have Kletos. We have Federico Ast, who's the founder and CEO of Kletos. And we also have JB, who's the engineering lead. Kletos is a decentralized dispute resolution platform that uses game theoretical incentives and a decentralized jury system to resolve disputes. Let's see what they have to say. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here and let me give you a short intro to, to Kleros. As you know, we are collectively building Web3 with all of these new apps that are meant to replace traditional Silicon Valley, you know, centralized platforms. And there are basically two types of, of situations here. One is the apps that have complete contracts where everything is fully automated and readable by machines and we don't need humans at all. And that's true for some uh, protocols, but it's not true for everything. And especially uh, lots of uh, apps that are being built currently in freelancing, you know, finance, or insurance, lots of different situations can present themselves to situations of ambiguity, um, disputes that would require some human intervention to, to resolve them. So the problem with smart contracts is that they are super smart uh, to, well, self-enforce as program, but they are not smart enough to, to resolve these subjective situations. Um, for example, Alice and Bob in a freelancing uh, platform, I mean, there's a dispute between uh, her, who is the, the customer, and, and he he's the contractor, and then... Of course, smart contracts, uh, they don't know if the video that Bob uh, built uh, for her was good enough and if it complied with what she expected. So this type of disputes cannot be resolved only by code. So that's where you need some human involvement. So imagine that they use an uh, app we developed called escrow.cleros. And here they make an agreement and then uh, for Bob to make a video for, for her. And then... Uh, she makes a deposit into a smart contract and they both, by using this app, they both agree to have Kleros as arbitrator uh, for a potential dispute that could happen in this in this agreement. So if nothing happens, if, if there is no dispute, I mean, nothing happens, Kleros doesn't get into action. So the money is transferred and she gets the video, he gets the funds, everything, everybody's happy. But if there is a dispute, then what happens is that the funds will stay locked into the smart contract and Kleros is going to select a, Partner of jurors who are going to analyze the case. They're going to see the agreement that they had. They're going to see the product that was delivered and any other piece of relevant evidence. And they're going to, each of them independently, make a decision and vote on, on who is right. And uh, this is what the interface looks like for, for jurors. And this is where you, uh, well, select the court where you want. I'm, I'm going to get into this now, but this is what it looks like. And so let's say that the majority decides that Alice was right. So Kleros makes a ruling and then the ruling tells the smart contract that Alice won. And so the smart contract will release the funds back to her. And so she gets the funds back and everyone is happy. But everyone except for Bob because he lost, but he she got a reimburse. And this is how, I mean, Kleros can help this platform resolve a situation where you need a human interpretation to understand uh, the subjectivity involved here, okay? So, of course, the question that you might be asking yourself is, okay, well, who are these jurors and how do you select them? And anyone can be a juror in Kleros. Let's say this woman, uh, she lives in Myanmar and she works as a video uh, producer in a company and at night when to make some extra money on the side, she wants to be a juror on Kleros. So she needs basically to get a token called PNK and this is a year C20 that 
It's like a lottery ticket that gives you the, the right to be drawn as a juror in cases in Kleros. So Kleros has lots of different uh, courts for different types of situations, <coughs> different type of, of claims. So in this case, let's say that she makes a, a stake into the court of video production. Other people already make uh, the stake. And so, so the, the important thing to, for you to see, so this is, I mean, uh, put money into the escrow, smart contract, uh, jurors are selected, they vote. This is what it looks like. I mean, you can uh, see it later uh, if you want. People stake the token uh, into the court where they want to work. Claro selects a bunch of, of uh, jurors all out of those who stake the token. The important thing here is how to create the right incentives for people to behave honestly, right? And not to just vote randomly on, or be bribed or whatever. And this is the big innovation of Claros is the use of game theory for resolving the, the situation. So in particular, these ideas from uh, Thomas Schelling, I guess many people here know. I mean, when I present this to lawyers, I have to explain about Schelling points. It's about how people coordinate in order to make a decision of, of consensus decision in situations where they cannot communicate or they cannot trust each other. So this is the idea of focal points. And if each of you who is, has to pick a number of all of these 12 numbers and has to pick the one that they think the majority is going to pick. Typically, you know, uh, people tend to coordinate on the 1,000 just because it looks like more natural than the others. And this is like the shelling point in this exercise. So if you put a bunch of, of jurors who are going to um, see the same evidence, in this case, the, the video that was delivered, and each of them is going to make a decision independently, and they are going to, uh, well, be incentivized in order to vote like the majority because they make money if they vote like the majority and they don't make money or they lose money if they vote differently. So in this type of situation, the, the shelling point on which they will converge is the truth about the, the dispute. I mean, the truth in the sense of a consensual truth of what this community of video developers think it's the right decision to make in a situation where they are all seeing the same video, the same contract, and they all know more or less the same rules that are typically used in the community of video developers. And they all are following the same rules of the court that tells them how to make a decision in, in different situations. Okay, so in this case, the truth on which they will converge is, is going to be the shelling point. And what happens is that Let's say that you are a user and you are just like voting randomly. Then in this case, you are like quite likely to be on the wrong side of the majority. So that token that you had deposited to be drawn as a juror, then you will lose that. And this goes to the majority that were coherent. If you, on the contrary, take your time to analyze the evidence, to see the situation and, well, make a honest decision, then sometimes you might be on the wrong side of the majority because, well, there is subjectivity, you evaluate it differently from the others, and then possible it can happen. But on average, you will be more likely to be on the right side of the majority. So the token that you stake, you get this back, and then you also collect a fee for the arbitration work you, you did, okay? And then you will, on average, keep making money as you go making decisions that produce rulings for the community. So it's not like so abstract, just a little example of how this works in a, in a case that is defined more like a compliance use case. So in 2019, there was the rise of DeFi and people were starting to make scam tokens and put them on Uniswap so they could um, fake contracts and impersonating other tokens and... Uh, how can you deal with this if you are a decentralized exchange? Either the team 
makes due diligence, which is not decentralized, or you just list everything, and then if you list everything, well, lots of scam go through. So what we ask ourselves is how could you build a decentralized token compliance procedure and where the community does the work. And we developed this crypto economic system called tokens.claros. It's online. You can see it if you want, where users can make a submission in order to have their token listed into this white list of tokens. Um, So she wants to submit this token and she makes a deposit with her submission. And then, well, it's a simple, you know, she needs to fill a form with a contract name and, well, different conditions. Anyone can see it. And in this case, it's a valid token because it complies with the guidelines. So she gets the money back and the token gets listed. What if she now wants to submit and list a fake token? In this case, she makes a deposit, but some other user can see, hey, this is not compliant. So they can challenge this submission with another deposit. And now there is a situation of a dispute between Alice who claims the token is valid, and Bob, who claims it's not. And guess where this is going to be solved? Of course, it's going to be solved at Claros. And now the jury is going to decide who is right in in this case, and they just follow the rules of the court. And in this case, they vote for Bob, and Bob gets Alice deposit, and the token is rejected, okay? So one case called Barachain Project that uh, they submitted their token to be listed, and then... I mean, users at the platform started to be suspicious of some guy called Scott Bingley, who was on the white paper and on the website as the CTO. And people were like seeing, okay, I mean, this guy for being a CTO of like a big project, he doesn't really have like YouTube talks. He doesn't have like publications. So that doesn't look right. And it seems that the the guy had the CV. He was part of some blockchain research laboratories at Oxford. So, I mean, the jurors called Oxford to ask for Scott Bingley. And I mean, they answered, look, we don't know who Scott Bingley is and there is no blockchain research laboratories here. Everything was fake. And um, so it was a stock photo taken from the internet and just put there. And it was a, a, a scam project. And um, it was discovered by the Claros jurors. And um, a couple of months later, we read on the news so that this project had been classified as a Ponzi scheme by by the Chinese police. So like this economic device powered by Kleros was able to discover the scam months before the the regulators. So this was a really cool uh, element that can be applied for other use cases, lots of use cases, like in NFTs, you can use this to curate stolen NFTs and copyright infringing NFTs. Another project that we developed based on this curation technology is called Proof of Humanity. Um, You might have seen this, and this is an anti-civil list where you submit your profile and then people can check if this is duplicate or and this is if this is human and and this can be used then for applications like one person one vote airdrops etc another use case of Claros was in connection to prediction markets in particular a very famous case was uh, about who will win the US presidential election 2020 in Omen uh, do you remember the, there was a very big dispute between Trump and Biden and Kleros had to decide on, on this? Insurance, you know, uh, the US uh, T collapsed, well, triggered a number of insurance situations in Unslashed. And so in this case, Kleros was called to resolve this if payout should or should not be uh, sent based on the rules of the insurance uh, policy. And a very big use case that we are <laughs> starting to push now is content moderation. As you might know, so there is a big problem connection to if some comment or some users are infringing the 
terms and conditions of different groups. And there is a product that we are developing where you can have like a jury decide if uh, a user should or should not be banned. Lots of other use cases are going to uh, be coming from the world of esports, gaming, uh, and well, basically, you know, the metaverse. Is Kleros is building an institution that is going to look like a justice system for the metaverse, if you if you want. It also has some real life applications. For example, it was already accepted as a resolution system for uh, landlord and tenant uh, dispute in in Mexico. I can speak about that if you're interested later. So the vision that we are trying to, to execute on is build this court DAO for all of the DAOs that are being uh, created in, in Web3. You just plug your DAO into Kleros, you send your disputes to Kleros, and Kleros sends back the decisions made by, by the court. So you kind of outsource, if you want, your dispute solution, so you don't have to worry about that, and you can like worry into like the core business of your of your platform. Thank you very much for your time and we're well, happy to answer any questions you might have. And if these are technical questions, I mean, JB is going to answer them. Great uh, presentation, first of all. Um, I do have two questions for you. The first would be about the jury selection processes. You said it was random. So I'm wondering how exactly you guys are generating that randomness. Like, is it is it pseudo random or is there some kind of outside input that is being used for the randomness because to my understanding it's very hard to actually produce true randomness on chain and the second question the uh game theory part of this where you, you said that a juror is paid basically if he votes in line with the majority and i'm wondering what is to keep a user from simply you know analyzing the blockchain seeing how other people vote and then just voting that way so that they ensure that they make money uh, okay good question go ahead to <laughs> okay the first question about the on-chain randomness uh, yeah, it's purely on-chain. We, we are not using any uh, external oracle. So we are using the block hash. Well, at least we were until before the merge. Now we've just switched to an implementation using the difficulty. So that's uh, quite technical, but that's right now the best way to get randomness on-chain after the merge. Yeah, we did have an implementation using the chaining VRF, but we haven't actually deployed it. It's, it's also fairly more costly. But yeah, we, we are also working right now on the on the version 2 which will be deployed on a rollup. And yeah, the question is uh, still relevant. Um, and right now, there is actually no good source of randomness on the optimistic rollups, as far as I know. Uh, Chaining VRF and the, the other guys, I think it's API 3. They are also not there yet, I think, as far as I know. Yeah, we've also reached out, for example, to Arbitrum, asking them to possibly expose the Rev Randall uh, randomness from L1 to L2, because the difficulty of code is actually not used on L2. There is actually space to potentially expose the L1 randomness uh, on L2, but right now it's, uh, it's still an open question. All right, and the second question, okay, it's about the game theory part side of things. It's, it's actually a very fair question, and we actually uh, have it every time we explain Kleros the first time, basically about collusion. And the first thing that we don't mention up front usually is that there's actually rounds of disputes. So when for a single case, there are actually different rounds. Usually they start with three jurors because the more jurors we have, the more costly the dispute is for the, the integration partner. So at the end of a particular round, there is a, a period to appeal. And if it is successfully appealed, there is a new deposit that is required that is more expensive than the first one. And it's going to draw a new set of jurors independently from the first draw. And it's drawing twice as many jurors plus one 
12 plus 1 because it's an odd number. So it's actually increasing exponentially. The most important is that even if you voted with the majority in the previous rounds, if you are not coherent with the majority of the last, the ultimate round, you are actually losing. You get slashed on your PNK stake. What it means is that you are incentivized to always do your own research as a, as a juror, as opposed to just follow the, following the majority. Um, um, I mean, just Clearoff has already resolved over 1,300 cases. And I mean, this, this magic actually works. And just about the first question, Clearoff actually means randomness in, in Greek. And it's because it's how jurors were selected in ancient Athenian courts. And this is really loosely inspiring how it worked there. And, you know, my co-founder, Clement, he's a, an expert in random selection, I mean, ra randomness in, in the blockchains. And you can watch his presentation at DevCon 3, for example, uh, and, on randomness. So just to add that. Hey, I also have two questions. One is refers to what you just said. So I was curious about the average value of the stored in the escrow contracts and maybe some highlights like the bigger <coughs> contracts that were arbitrated on Claros. And about this game theory, the jurors are not incentivized to vote on what they think is fair. They're incentivized to vote on what they think the majority will vote. And in the context of a collusion, that can be very different. Do you not make that distinction? And uh, just uh, to follow up on your last, last answer, what is to stop the members from employing the same technical method in the second round to figure out what the majority actually voted for, or the third round or any other? Um, Just on the first one, there is this Claros.com, it's a community built, you know, a dashboard where you can see all of the stats about Claros, the value at stake, all of that, you can just watch it, see it here. The top value case we had at Claros was actually the case of the you know, Omen prediction market uh, about the election in the US, and it was about, I think, 2.5 million at stake. Yeah, and I will let JB take the other one. <laughs> yes, I forgot to mention that. Also, we have a commit reveal mechanism that's implemented to prevent uh, the, the jurors from copying each other. In practice, it's not turned on by default. Uh, ideally, we would like it to be the default. And the main reason for that is the UX, actually. It's, it's actually, it requires the jurors to come back. It adds one extra step for them to reveal. And it has to be done within a very specific <clears throat> period of time. So I think between each period, it's like uh, two or three days. Just adds a bit of friction right now. We are looking at better implementations where potentially the reveal step could be automated so the user doesn't have to, yeah, wouldn't get slashed for just forgetting to reveal. Uh, so th that's the current situation. We also considered integrations with, I don't know if I can say the name, uh, I can mention it, Polish uh, Shutter Network. They're, they're using uh, some MPC, uh, multi-party computation network to handle this. We are still uh, looking at that. So the incentives part of it, I think it's very important to think in terms of rounds. The jurors are incentivized to vote with the majority, but not of the current round, with the majority of the ultimate round. And the jurors have no way of knowing which round is going to be the ultimate one. They don't know how many appeals there's going to be. Anyone can appeal. Um, and it becomes more and more expensive to potentially bribe or coordinate. It becomes exponentially more expensive. A lot of what we do is like research in um, game theory and social choice theory. So to see which different, you know, um, 
like voting system. It has the XYZ you know, properties, which makes it more relevant for what we want to achieve. So, I mean, we are like a deeply focused on research project. And uh, yeah, we spend a lot of time thinking about, about this type of things. I just share with you the yellow paper there and you can see like how the equations work and how the incentive system, yeah, it works exactly. Yeah. All right, thank you. Uh, I have another question. So just following up on the last one, let's say this scenario where we are connected to a lot of DAOs and there, what we it also opens a lot of cyber attack, right? Like a uh, possibility of cyber attacks. So if let's say there is some high priority proposal that has to go through, I can probably just go and, you know, challenge it. And the bond, if let's say, how do you make sure that bond, you know, the person uh, who is challenging it, the bond, how much do they have to bond for that particular proposal? Or is it like, you know, configurable just at the DAO level? And also one more thing, like as we just said, that every time uh, it goes to the court, we can just appeal against it, right? So I can probably indefinitely uh, keep deferring it to the next round, to the next round, to the next round. So does it also not open a lot of cyber attack options for DAOs, uh, you know, uh, stopping them from passing their proposals? Or, you know, some proposals which are, uh, let's say, time sensitive, right? Uh, I could just go and defer those the code and it will probably affect the DAO. Okay, I mean, I can answer that one. I mean, you, you can't appeal a different number of times. There is a moment where you reach the general court and then there is a 511 jurors and they make that decision, which is final. It's like Supreme Court and it ends mm -hmm. there, right? What was the first question? <laughs> Uh, so the possibility of a cyber attack. So, uh, you know, if there is a time sensitive proposal that the DAO needs to pass, I could just go and, you know, defer that by challenging it because I don't, uh, I might have to just bond a little amount to do that. It's a time sensitive proposal, for example, where let's say the UST is collapsing and uh, at that moment, uh, the governance says that, hey, uh, let's quickly, uh, you know, swap our treasury from UST to USD or something like that. Okay, I mean that's a, that's an interesting question. Um, so, Kleros has like an arbitral side and an arbitrator side. So, these situations, I mean, at some point someone sends Kleros uh, a question to for Kleros to answer, uh, and this, I mean, can it should be structured in such a way that Kleros can provide an, an answer, right? So, if this is a very you know time very fast you know the decision that needs to be made in a, very fast because it's time critical. You probably wouldn't use Kleros for that because Kleros has a system that requires jurors to, I mean, have time to analyze the evidence. And so for things where you need like some true value uh, very fast, you use something like you know, chain link, like more objective Oracle. Kleros is when you have situations where you need like a more nuanced, you know, uh, subjective situations, but that, that also takes more time to analyze for a different use case, right? About the civil attack thing is that, so that's why you have the token. I mean, if you, you can create many addresses and split your tokens, but you are going to still be drawn based on the amount of, token, of tokens you staked. So, so you can't really civil attack it that way. Does it make sense? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Like, uh, I just wanted to understand one more thing for the DAOs, right? Uh, can can they have something like for this proposal types only uh, the Claros code would be used or something like that? Or do they have to, uh, while making a proposal, it's said that, hey, a Claros would be used for this proposal? There is a, a work that is done uh, between, I mean, if let's say you want, you, you are from a DAO and you want to integrate Claros for XYZ use case in your DAO. 
So you reach to us and then we first we evaluate if if this is a good case for Kleros. Not everything is a good case for Kleros. If we think it's a good case for Kleros, then we would do some work with you. We would see exactly what is the problem you want to solve. We would work with you to define the policy, the rules that the jurors would want to would have to follow in order for Kleros to produce the decision that you I mean you need in your in your DAO. Then there's a process of estimating parameters. And so different courts and different use cases require different expertises from the jurors. Um, and so we need to estimate uh, how much, how many tokens need to be staked uh, to be drawn, how many appeal rounds makes more sense, and how I mean, many jurors we want to have in the, in the court. So a number of parameters that um, we estimate ourselves and uh, because we, well, we have this expertise. And so big part of the work that is done in our research team is about how to improve these parameters. So after we define the policy, the parameters, we send this to the Kleros protocol governance because the, if this requires to create a new court, this needs to be done through governance. So the new court is created and then you like plug your smart contract into the Kleros court that you that was made for this case. And then everything is going to be done on chain. So I will let maybe JB get into more specific details, but that's more or less how it works. So there are many different angles depending on, on the situation and the product. But for, for DAO specifically, I think something that is probably universally useful is the governor. So the, what the governor allows you to do is to have legitimate and trust-minimized way of enforcing the result of an off-chain vote, for example, a snapshot vote, to enforce it on-chain. Because usually, if, let's say, the community has voted on changing some parameters on the smart contract, then this is an off-chain vote, then how do you translate it into an on-chain transaction that gets executed? The naive way of doing this is that Maybe uh, there's a multi-sig or there's someone who has a trusted admin role on the smart contract and is going to be trusted to run a transaction that represents well the spirit of the proposal that was voted with the right parameters. Another way of doing this is to use the governor, which relies, it's quite similar to the, the curation use case that Fede was showing, relies on an optimistic mechanism where after the vote has been uh, counted and is finished, anyone can submit the call data of the transaction that represents the outcome of the vote. And it's going to sit there for a number of days, for, for one week, I think. And anyone can challenge it with a deposit. For this kind of disputes, the, the reward is quite high. I think it was like 10 ETH at some point. So it's very actually rewarding to, as a juror, as, as a challenger, to review those kind of, of transactions. So if anyone finds that the, the deposited transaction during those seven days doesn't match the, the spirit of, of the vote, then it can be challenged. Yeah, if, if there is no challenge at the end of that uh, period, the call data becomes executable and anyone willing to pay for the gas can just execute the transaction. And that means the DAO has now translated this off-chain vote into an on-chain decision. I think that's probably the most useful. So we also have an integration with uh, Nozis Zodiac to do this and to make it easier. I'm sure we can share more details on that. Great. I think I got answers to more questions. So thank you, Federico, JV, for being here, for answering our questions. It was a pleasure to have you today. And thank you also, guys, for all these great questions um, that you brought up today to the table. Thank you, guys. See you.
See you. Take care.